Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hankwist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you'll become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. If you get valuable information out of this podcast, we just ask that you please share it with your audience and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and help health and fitness businesses succeed. Today on the show, I'm bringing you the CEO of Credit to Capital, Alex Graves, and we're bringing you an info-packed episode all about credit, personal credit, credit repair, leveraging credit, business credit, and beyond. Basically everything you need to know about credit for you and your fitness business here in one episode. Alex has a ton of information for you, including a surprise gift. I can't wait for you to hear all about it. So let's welcome Alex to the show. Money wasn't always the greatest. Like, tell me your backstory a little bit. I'm curious about how you, you know, got into this space to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I could tell you the, the really long version, it would take a while. Um, I actually just told this exact story up in Tennessee at a, uh, an event called profit chasers. It was a, uh, about 50 to 60 entrepreneurs that were into day trading and they asked me to speak at that event. So I told them my story and it was really just, it was, it was an interesting opportunity for me to share. Like I, I never really like documented and like put together on paper, my entire journey, but I have started and failed 10 different businesses, which is really crazy. Yeah. Like, and these are, I'm not talking like, is that hard for you to say? No, it's, I'm, it's like the most proud thing of my life. Is it? It is. Yeah. It's really, it makes me really proud to say that. I love that. Yeah. You hear some people and it took a lot for them to, to come forward and say that, to be vulnerable like that. No, no, it, it actually like, I'm, I'm so proud of it because I just know that there's somebody out there first, you know, the first reason is there's somebody out there that's on their like yeah. third failure that thinks, yeah. like, oh my God, I'm never going to make it. And it's like, dude, I did seven more before yeah. I got successful. And it's like that just alone is going to help somebody. But the other thing is the fact that I got to seven and eight and I was like, I'm going to do two more and then keep going. So you know, I think a lot of that perseverance honestly came one through, you know, I have a a whole history with how I changed my life, but essentially I was partying in college and I got really hooked on, uh, some bad stuff, right. I was, uh, you know, I was really, really in bad shape. And so I came down to Florida, uh, where a couple of my friends actually moved down here. Where were you at? I was in, I lived in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So I came down to Florida, completely changed my life around. I stopped drinking. I stopped trying to get away from that circle. Yeah. I got away from it and I got around uh, better people, started getting healthy. And then the the fitness thing is really what propelled me forward. And I feel like that part of my life where I got into fitness helped me to persevere through all the other things. Um, So essentially I I started and failed 10 businesses um, through that process. You're not failing. You're not trying to. Yeah, no, that's exactly, you know, people don't realize that in order to go like the entrepreneurship, uh, this is one thing that drives me nuts is that all these people see like, you know, the, the Lamborghini and the private jet and all that stuff on, on Instagram and TikTok. And they think like, that's, what's gonna, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all rented first off. Um, and they think that entrepreneurship is like working two hours a day and then going to the beach. So 
I think it's just a good thing to give perspective to those that like need, they need to know that like, Hey, you might get kicked in the throat a couple of times before you start winning. (laughs) Right. Once you feel like you just, maybe it's not for you, then you might start winning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But um, no, I, I, uh, at the end of that, I finally realized like, I can't just keep, you know, opening and and closing businesses. I need to actually get myself a J-O-B. And so I got hooked up with a mortgage company. I started in the mortgage oh. industry in 2018. Yeah. Okay. And uh, in 18, the uh, the whole premise behind me getting that job was just, I just needed some income. I didn't really, yeah. didn't really like even like the financial space. I didn't like financial services. I wasn't really into, fi- I didn't know much about it, but over the time I started to learn about credit. I started to learn about home, you know, real estate. And it was kind of like the perfect mix, mix because I got to learn about both things that are really, really important that not a lot of people know about. So, you know, over time, just got good at sales, got good at yeah. finance, got good at credit. And so I, you know, four, four and a half, five years later, um, I started to get a lot of requests from friends of like, hey, you know, I need to have fixed my credit. And my clients would come to me with banged up credit for the mortgage and say, hey, I got this on my credit. Can you help me with it? So I would start to research and, you know, I fixed my own credit. Then I would fix the client's credit. Then my colleagues would bring me their clients to fix their credit. So it kind of just spawned in this whole thing. And then I eventually made the TikTok, um, not even a year ago, which is really crazy. I made it in December. It's been about 10 months and just started posting credit tips on there. And so that's, that's really so what cool. spawned. That's what spawned the craziness. Like I was, yeah. I was doing decent financially um, with the mortgages for the last yeah. couple of years, but the TikTok and the, the credit company and all that is really what spawned the, the, the growth. So. Isn't it so interesting how, how you sort of stumble upon where you were meant to be? Because like, I feel the same way with, with how fit CFO came to be, right? Like I was, I actually have my degree in interior design. If that tells you how much of a like mix of events that wow. we, we've gone through. And so that's why you like branding so much. That's I'm a very, I'm very much an artist. So yeah. that allows, yeah. you know, the, the artistic side, but yeah, I mean, went from having that to, okay, we need income for our family. We were a young family with kids. And so I started this agency in the financial services world really not any concern or care about it. Like I did not, it's not like I was woke up one day and be like, I want to be an insurance agent. Right. So (laughs) (laughs) said nobody ever, right? Right. No one ever let's learn about annuities. No. So, um, but anyways, you know, 12 years later, we were able to really, uh, hit home with, with fit CFO and teach health and fitness entrepreneurs about how to run their finances in their business. It's, it's just been absolutely amazing. So it's, so cool to hear another similar story kind of go down that sort of rabbit hole of, wow, this is actually where we should be. Yeah. It's, it's cool. You get into something that you have zero interest in. You're just yeah. like, I just gotta, I just gotta do this. And then you're like, wait a minute, I think this is actually my purpose. And it's like the, you know, whatever your belief is, it's like the universe or God or the way that the world works. It's just like something out there is putting you in this place for a reason. That's what I, I, I fully believe that every bad thing good thing is happening to you for a reason and it's happening to you for you like now think about this right those 10 business failures when i was going through those i could promise you it was not fun i was not proud of it it was not the best thing that ever happened to me but now i can years later now that i have 
uh, a little bit of success and I'm not even where I need to be yet. Right. But now that I have a little bit of success, I can show people and tell them like, Hey dude, you can do this. I did it yeah. 10 times. And, um, I just think it's really cool. Like the, the power of going from not knowing about anything, mm-hmm. not thinking that this is the right thing for you to ultimately being a part of your purpose is pretty cool. Well, and I think when you go at it at that route, you truly care for the well-being of those that you're helping. Like, I, you know, I think it's like when you can truly put information out there and not care what you get in return for it. Granted, it'd be nice to get something in return, but you truly just want to enlighten and give value. It, It comes back around. I truly believe that. I always struggled with that, too, with purpose. Like, I always was like, you know, you always hear people in entrepreneurship and business. And they're always like, what's your why? What's your purpose? And like, I always felt left out of that conversation sure. yeah. because I was like, I was like, I just want to be not broke. <laughs> yeah, I just need money. <laughs> I just, just want to not be miserable, you know? And I actually, yeah. funny, funny enough, when I was broke, I was actually still happy, like, you know, as a whole, but uh-huh. I just, I was stressed and it's like, yeah. it's hard. Well, and you don't want to be the the buddy that can't go do anything. You you know, you can't go on the vacations with the friends. You can't go out to right. dinner with, you know what I mean? Like you want to be able to partake with, with everybody else too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I, I always, you know, when I was in that situation, I was not doing well financially. And I also like, you know, I wanted to feel like I had a mission and a purpose of like, this yeah. is what I'm meant to do. I think everybody's looking for that. Like, what am I put here to do? What is my you know, my gift to serve the world with. And uh, yeah. for it, it's just interesting. You, I, it's the most cliche thing ever. Now thinking about like what people ask me, like, Hey, what, what should I do? What should I, it's like, you're just going to stumble into it, man. I promise you, you're yeah. going to stumble into it. It's going to fall into your lap and eventually you're just going to figure it out. And it's, it might not be the thing that you're quote unquote passionate about. Cause I can promise yeah. you, I'm, I was not passionate <laughs> right. about, I was not passionate about credit and finance. It was actually 100%. made me want to, yeah, it made me want to throw up. I hated it. So, you know, that's yeah. how I am with taxes. Every time I got a letter from the IRS, I was like, Oh, somebody else take this. I don't want to. Yeah. Do oh, gross. Ten forties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I think uh, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought that up because I do. I think so many times uh, we get caught up in this I have to have this huge greater why and this purpose and this driving force. And I can't figure out what that is. So I'm doomed. Right. And, and yeah. that, that that's really not it. You just got to keep giving value every day that I've, I'm realizing as I'm hearing you say that is that my purpose spawned out of my biggest pain points, yeah. my biggest, you know, like everything that I was <laughs> like, that brought me to my knees, like bottom, bottom of the barrel. Like that's the stuff that wound up becoming, cause I had, no money. I had bad credit. I was really in bad shape and I turned all those around and now those have become kind of the mission. So, you know, that might be a good thing for, for your listeners to take a look at if there's some in a similar place, right? Like what's the biggest pain point in your life? And then like try, try fixing it for yourself. And then that might become your purpose. Oh, I, I think that is so true. I mean, for example, you know, I mentioned that we had a gym and that was, one of our, you know, biggest failures, but it allowed us to really humble ourselves and say, we didn't do it right this time. And we didn't do it right because it wasn't, there wasn't anybody to help us do it right. What kind of gym was it? Was it a CrossFit gym? It was an anytime fitness. So it was a franchise gym. Okay. But what happened is, and I think this was our detriment is we took over an existing 
gym. So there were already members. It was already established. So we didn't have to come in and hustle. We came in and cruised, right? Mm, yeah. And so I think that was almost a detriment to us because we already came into a cash flowing entity at a time when other gyms started coming in, you know, the planet fitnesses and the, yeah. the other, you know, the other race to the bottom type gyms. And so, um, so it really kind of made us kind of figure ourselves out, figure out business, figure out what did we do wrong? Why, why was it wrong? We weren't forecasting for this. We weren't saving for that. We weren't, you know, we just weren't doing it right. And so go back to the drawing board, figure it out. And now we can help other people do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a similar situation. Like I got comfortable and complacent in one of my businesses and one of yep. the 10, yeah. um, back in 2017, I started an e-commerce brand on Amazon FBA uh -huh. yeah. and when I tell you this business was autopilot, like I had to do nothing yeah. for the most part. Like I worked yeah. on it like an hour a day. I was making a bunch of money. And then like, you were like the sudden, Instagrammer that was, yeah, I was actually doing the four hour work week, which I told everybody that it's not possible. And I was like, oh, and so it really, you know, at the time I was a, a lot younger. Though. Yeah, it was great. Sold a lot of, uh, a lot of copies, but I, I, I got really into this place of being complacent and like, you know, not getting fired up every day and like pushing forward. And eventually yeah. that manifested into that business no longer being around. So, and so I, I really think that that's, you're probably hitting the nail on the head. I don't know for sure, but you come into a business that's on autopilot and kind yeah. of cruising, mm -hmm. you're not as, as hungry for it. It's probably yep. what's going to happen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think too, we get used to what we do, you know, I mean, we, if, if we, sit on the couch all day, we get used to that. And that's what our body craves, right? If we're hustling and we're moving and we're shaking, that's what our body is going to crave. So mm -hmm. I fully agree with that. Well, I want to get into a little bit about what you do. I mean, man, you're definitely an inspiring individual. So I love, I love talking about that, but I know that our listeners want to get some, you know, meat out of this conversation. So, yeah. um, let's talk about funding for small businesses. I love the content you put out and um, I'm going to link your TikTok and Instagram account on the show notes so that people can go and find you and get, you know, more like kind of rabbit hole down your content because you have a lot of good stuff out there. But let's first talk about funding for small businesses. As you know, we work with a lot of health and fitness entrepreneurs, gym owners. We only work in the health and fitness space. So let's talk about um, first of all, you said leverage personal credit to fund business credit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So the concept behind our company and our company's name is credit to capital with a number two, right? So credit yep. to capital.com. You can find me on TikTok too. You can go to the link in my bio, but essentially the premise behind that is there's a lot of different ways to get funding that we've seen. And a lot of them are very hard. So to get money is not an easy thing. You mm -hmm. can get business loans, but a lot of times that requires documentation, two years of tax returns, et cetera. You need to have established business credit. So that's off the list already for a lot of people. Then there's, you know, VC venture capital, right? Angel investing. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't know many people that know, hey, I can go get a million dollars. I can go even get $50,000 from this investor for this new business. It's probably not going to happen. A lot of people just don't have that access to money like that. Right. And then, and then the other way is to run up your personal credit, which as you guys know that, you know, if you know anything about credit and you run up your card, I think we all know the, the, the old adage of like, don't go over 30% utilization, right? So if yeah. you max out these credit cards you have, if you even have the available limits to do so, you're going to tank your score. 30% of your score is made up by utilization. So it's a huge part of it. So 
then come in our business model, right? Which is the concept is called business credit card stacking. Okay. Why, why this is so powerful is because you can leverage your personal credit to obtain business credit. So when you go to apply for a business credit card and you get granted that business credit card, it does not show up on your personal credit, which is really interesting. So yeah. let's say you went ahead and came to us and we got you $75,000 in funding, right? When we say funding, we mean 75,000 in available credit for you to use for whatever you want. Yep. You can go and max it out, run it up to the full 75,000 and it will not touch your credit score which is really, really powerful because now you can go and leverage that to build a business while also maintaining your financial health and your credit yeah. health on your personal side. And so the way that we do that, there's, there's really three factors that go into it. And there's three kind of like pillars of the process. The first pillar of the process is going to be your business entity, right? So you have to have what's known as a fundable entity. There's different fundability factors, very complex, but it ranges from Anywhere from as simple as your business name, like what your business is actually named legally, all the way down to what's called your NAICS code. Since for North American Industry Classification System, just a fancy term for what business type you are. Mm -hmm. The IRS uses NAICS codes. And, the, you know, for instance, if you're a construction company and the IRS, yeah. you know, you, you file your taxes, you file, oh, this was my expenses for the year. They're going to compare that with the rest of the country's uh, those NAICS codes. And if your expenses are super high, boom, that's going to trigger an audit, right? So good stuff for you guys to know out there. If you have a certain NAICS code in that space, you want to make sure that you're not doing anything crazy on your taxes, which you guys know all about, I'm sure. Yep. The banks use it and the, the credit card companies use NAICS codes to determine risk. Everything when it comes to lending is all about risk and risk threshold with the company, right? So when you go to apply for a credit card, all they want to know is that are they going to get their money back and are they going to make money off of you? So they want to make money off of you and they also want to get it back. The way they make money is by you guys carrying a balance, spending on their card, using the card. And so fundability factors on the business, that's the first part. The second part is, of course, your personal credit. So you're leveraging your personal credit. The way I always explain it is you're applying as your business, but you're, you're co-signing as you, right? So you're basically backing your business. And so I'll give your, uh, your listeners some really, really good gems of like underwriting criteria that they'll actually look for so that they can go and take this and get themselves ready for, for business funding. Because even though, and I'll explain to you the third part, why you're going to see how this can get a little bit complicated. But even if your listeners are able to see these five criteria that the banks are going to look for, they're going to be much more fundable than they were before. Do you feel like you're spinning on the hamster wheel of making money, but never actually having money? Are you confused or unsure of how much money you could sink into your business for marketing, mentors, or hiring? And what about still paying your taxes or even yourself? Well, if so, this is perfect timing. FitCFO is hosting a free webinar on the financial frameworks you need for your business. Sean will be covering the five biggest problems he sees in business for health and fitness business owners and why they're not scaling. This webinar is for you if you want to start seeing success in your business instantly. Head to the link in the show notes or the bio on our social media pages to get signed up today. Seats are limited. Okay. So the first criteria of getting business credit in the way that we get it is having a, a personal credit score 
of at least 700, okay? So if you don't have a credit score of 700, don't start applying for business credit just yet. Make sure that your FICO score is over 700. The reason I say FICO is because there's two different scoring models. There's mm -hmm. Vantage and then there's FICO. Vantage is what you're going to see on Credit Karma, CreditWise, you know, a bunch of these monitoring apps. Don't yeah. look at that. You want to look at FICO. FICO 8 is what the lenders are going to look at. So it's first 700 plus credit score, 720 is ideal. The second thing that you want to look at as far as underwriting criteria is having at least 15,000 in available credit already on your personal side. Okay. Banks will typically issue you anywhere from two to three X what's on your personal side on average. It could be much higher depending on all the other factors, but right. you guys got to have at least 15 grand on your personal side in available credit. After That's that, yeah, yep. On and, so and by the way- like if you have maxed out credit cards and things like that, you're probably not going to get a lot of help per leveraging your personal credit. Correct. And that's that goes into the third part, which is having under 30% utilization, but the lower, the better. So, right. and I'll give you guys uh, some data. FICO, Fair Isaac Corporation, they're the, the company that you know invented uh, digital credit scoring and credit monitoring. They put out data that says, the entire country, right, out of everybody in the country that has credit scores, the top uh, credit score holders, 800 plus, all have an average of 4 to 6% utilization on their revolving debt. So if you guys hear people talking about 15%, 20, 30, just know that the ones that are actually doing it have 4 to 6% utilization. So that's our third criteria is utilization, keeping it under 30, but as low as possible is ideal. So that's the third factor. Fourth factor, right? As far as getting the business credit approvals and getting the max funding is having no derogatories on your credit whatsoever. So derogatories, just so you guys know, are things like late payments, collections, charge-offs, anything that is a negative mark on your credit, you want to make sure you get that either taken care of or get it off um, or avoid it entirely. So that's a big one that holds people back which is, you know, why we can help get you, you know, your credit repaired or, or yeah. show you. And, and by the now, way, guys, that, mm -hmm, go ahead. Is that something that you guys help with? Like, let's say there is, there are some things on their credit. They don't believe that they should have on there. Is that something that you guys can help remove or what are, what do they do for that? Yeah. So we, we have a credit repair program. Um, so I own a credit repair company, the creditcompany.com. But with our business funding, because so same thing with mortgages, you can't do somebody's mortgage and their credit repair. It's a conflict of interest. Same thing okay. with business credit. So yeah. I can't do your credit repair and your funding, but mm -hmm. we have a preferred credit repair agency that we work with. That's really gotcha. good. So that's, that's one option. And also I have a TikTok page. It's you get full to deal of with free the tips. Fun. You get to deal with the fun compliance stuff. We have a wealth management firm that we have to be <laughs> with as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. that's, that's right. So there's yep. a lot of rules and regulations that go into this stuff. So yep. we try to keep everything above board. And so, yeah, we have a preferred vendor that we use for credit repair, but also, you know, if you guys are listening to this and you have banged up credit, my TikTok, I have uh, a bunch of free resources that you guys can use um, to to repair your credit. And actually, I I prepared something for. I don't know if I'm going to give it out at the end of the show, but I prepared something for the show here. All uh, right. I, yeah. So I have a. I'm just going to tell you guys now. So yeah. For your personal credit, um, I have a course called the School of Credit Mastery. Okay. Now it's a it's a course where you can go in 
and basically learn all about credit, learn how to repair your credit, and then learn how to optimize your credit. So usually that course is 197. I made a discount code uh, before the show called Fit CFO. So if you guys use that uh, discount code, you're going to get 80% off. Yeah, you'll get 80% off. So I basically just wanted to essentially give it away to all of your listeners if they need uh, help with their credit. So yeah, just, uh, just a little, little, I don't know, somewhat of a gift for, for those of you guys that want to get out there and repair your credit, if you guys need help with it, but just know that there's a lot of free stuff on my page. So don't think that you have to go get that course. It's just, if you want a little bit of extra juice. Um, So yeah, that's, that's the personal credit end of things. So you can do it for free or you can do it uh, you know, the paid way, either way. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to include that in the show notes as well. Yeah. And like, just a little fun fact about me, I used to have, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was somewhere in the 500s credit score when I was in college and younger. And I was actually going to ask you this. Um, I now have like an 846 or something like that, but somebody told me that having too good of a credit score cannot always be a good thing. Is that true? I've never heard that before. No. Okay. Cause so I was like, really, <laughs> it can be a bad thing because you're going to want to go and apply for any and everything. And that could be a bad thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> no. I, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, it was I don't kind know. of funny because my husband was like, how do you have better credit than me? That is not even fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the maximum score is 850. So you're, yeah. uh, you're, you're right there. Yeah. Um, but going from about as bad as it can get to, Almost and, as it's, good as and, and that's interesting you're saying that because a lot of people don't even think that's possible. They think they're just doomed to having bad credit forever. Yeah, so, sure you know, not. I just, yeah. you're not, I did a TikTok live last night, actually, when I was showing some of our clients testimonials and we have a, a client of ours that went and got an 800 credit score by working with us. And they yep. had, they started off, I think in like the low 600s and wow. got to that point. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. You it can is. definitely do it. If you guys have banged up credit, just know that it is possible. to fix. And so mine took me, I obviously wasn't checking or concerned over time. So I don't know how long it took, it took to get from, you know, where it was to where it is. How long does it take somebody to repair? So let's say that they do have need to grow their business or to get some kind of credit. Um, but they do have a pretty poor score. How long does it take them to increase their, their score? I know probably a lot of factors weigh on that, but yeah, a lot of factors weigh into it, but I will tell you what I see on average on the faster end of things. I've seen people repair their credit in anywhere from 90 days to four months. Oh, wow. Pretty quick. Yeah. And then there's other people that it takes a little bit longer if they have a more in-depth case, or if there's a, you know an item that's just not coming off or, you know, the bureaus, you guys might not realize that when you're disputing and sending disputes in the credit bureaus, aren't always acting in your best favor. And it's funny. I actually pulled up a case that was, uh, that was settled recently. And when when I say recently, I mean, within the last couple of years. So back in 2018, not to go on its whole side tangent, but a guy in Alabama actually sued the credit bureau experience. Okay. And the reason he sued this credit bureau is because he was disputing information and they weren't removing it. Mm. What they uncovered in this case, and this is just in 2018. So pretty, pretty recent. There was a $3 million settlement awarded to the man. And they also uncovered that, right. You guys probably think of Experian as this massive company. Yeah. Um, But they're actually, they don't have too robust of a dispute department. There's only about 10 to 12 to 13 people in the dispute room at any given time. And they get 20 
20,000 to 30,000 disputes a day. The point is, is that they're actually not even processing a majority of the disputes and they have uh, a lot of people and a lot of uh, probably only a certain period of time to do it. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. So they only have a 30 day time frame to do it. um, But they have basically enacted this policy at Experian where if they see a suspicious dispute, which is a subject that's subjective in nature to say it's suspicious, then they can go ahead and not uh, not process it. And so they're getting in a lot of trouble for doing stuff like that. And so just know that if it takes longer, guys, it might be because the bureaus don't want they they're not acting in your best interest. You've yeah. got to be persistent with the stuff. Yeah. I've seen it take as long as six to nine months in some cases. Uh, but ultimately, if you just stick with it, I can tell you guys it 100% can work. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. Aside from so we went over four of the fundability factors for your personal credit. Yeah. The one other factor is your hard inquiries on your credit report, which is really good for people to know. So okay. in the yeah. last six months, what we've seen based and we have thousands of data points uh, that we're going off of to to know this, but we basically see that if you have more than three hard inquiries in the last six months on your credit, it typically impacts underwriting decisions negatively. So you want to have less than three hard inquiries on your credit um, on your, you know, in the last six months. And hard inquiries are going to be applying for a credit card, maybe a vehicle loan, things like that. Yep. Yep. And the definition of a hard inquiry is any uh, application for credit that is that requires a full application. And a full application is usually one that in, uh, involves your full social security number. Gotcha. So if you guys ever have to give your full social for you know applying for credit, you're, you, that's usually going to be a hard pull in most cases. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that when they ask for a credit limit increase on their cards, like on the personal end, they're getting a hard inquiry and not realizing that they're accepting that hard inquiry. So when you guys are going and asking for limit increases, just make sure you're asking your creditor or lender, am Mm -hmm. I going to Mm -hmm. incur a hard inquiry from this? Because it's a really good way to avoid it. Some banks do, some banks don't. So just check with your uh, bank if you're doing it over the phone, if you recommend not doing that and doing it over the phone instead, that way you can know for sure if it's going to be a hard inquiry because they can stay on there for two years And um, of course, yeah, of course you can get the hard inquiry off of there with credit repair, but you don't want to have to go down. Right. Yeah. Well, and the holidays are quickly approaching. So we're going to get into that season where do you want to save 10% and apply for a credit card today? And they, I think they always say it's a soft hit. So I'm assuming that doesn't matter. Yeah. If they say, if they say it's a soft inquiry, it it typically will be. Um, But yeah, so that, those first two, right? You having your entity set up and then having your personal credit set up. Those are the, the two of the three pillars. The third pillar, which is really what we kind of do done for you at Credit yeah. to Capital is doing all of the applications to the banks for you. Um, so in order to get the most funding possible, you have to apply in the correct sequence. So I always give this example which is it helps to kind of put it in perspective and visualize how the credit inquiries and how the approvals work. So if you have your mom, dad, aunt, and uncle in a room and they're all sitting you down and they say, hey, you can have one cookie today, that's it. And you want to, as a child, as a kid, you want to have the most cookies possible in that day. Well, the least effective method to having the most cookies possible is to have a cookie in front of all of them, okay? What do I mean by that? I mean that when you apply for a credit card, 
the company is going to pull your credit from one of the three bureaus in most cases. Okay. So in order to stack the most credit cards on top of each other, you need to go and strategically apply to where, you know, they're not seeing what's happening because again, the card okay. doesn't uh, show up on your personal credit. So if Chase pulls from Equifax and Bank of America pulls from TransUnion, these guys have no idea that you've got two cards in the same day. They just think you got one because they're only looking at one bureau. So again, back to the cookie analogy, you want to have one cookie with mom. And then later on, when nobody's around, have one cookie with dad. Yeah. And then have yeah. one cookie with your aunt, one with your uncle. Now you got four when you were told you could have one because everybody thinks you only had one. That's the whole concept of credit gotcha. card stacking. So it helps to. And you guys clearly yeah. know which companies are looking at which company, basically. Yes, very, very much so to, to yeah. a science. Yeah. Yeah. Which is something that most people aren't going to yeah. just know. Yeah, we, we only have that because um, we have so many data points yeah. from applications and we know from just going through the motions of, of applying to these credit card companies um, that we know where they're going to pull from. We know, yeah. and it's also based on what state you live in. Really important, guys. If, you, mm. if you're out there listening, you want to go on and start applying, it's based on the state you live in. So I know some people out there can, you know, definitely go and research um, what bureau they're pulling from based on the state they live in. Okay. Uh, it's not always an exact science if you Google it, but it is helpful to know. So if you guys want to do some credit card stacking on your own, just remember that it's going to be based on what state you live in. I want to talk about some of the common misconceptions when it comes to credit. Um, for example, you stated that credit karma may not be accurate. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So people, the, the most common app used to monitor credit is definitely Credit Karma. Mm -hmm. And so just to reiterate, guys, there's two different scoring models when it comes to credit, right? There's a Vantage scoring model, which is based on six different factors. And then there's FICO, which is based on five factors. Mm -hmm. And so FICO is what they use when they're going to approve you for credit. So FICO is what they use for mortgages, and to be very specific, if you guys are looking for a mortgage, they're going to look at FICO two, four, and five. So there's actually numbered FICO scores. Gotcha. FICO eight is what they're going to look at for credit cards, right? And so those are the most two, the most common two FICO scores out there. And here's what I could tell you guys. Out of everything that I have done in credit and I've learned in credit, these five factors of credit have been the most helpful in giving people advice on how to optimize their score. So I'll go through it real quick. The okay. first factor of your personal credit is payment history. It makes up 35% of your score. So that means that a majority, and that's the biggest factor, by the way, 35% is the biggest section. Payment history is you know, good payment history, making your payments on time, but also the derogatories that might be on your credit. So try to get those cleaned up and wiped off and also make sure you're making your payments on time. Never let anything go late. It can tank your score. The next one, right, is your utilization, which is 30% of your credit score. So utilization is just how much of your available credit are you currently using? The lower, the better. Like I said, four to 6% is optimal. Next is 15% of your score is made up of your credit age or your length of credit history, okay? If you have a thin credit profile and you don't have credit age, you guys can actually become authorized users on other people's cards that have that credit age. All you do is just ask a family member or friend, hey, do you have a credit card that you've had for a while that you have perfect payment history on? Perfect. Let do me become recommend, an authorized user. 
on that note, do you recommend kids get to be a kid? I have a 17 year old, for example, so that's why I'm asking. Do you recommend kids get credit cards or become authorized users? Or what is your recommendation when it comes to like underage? Yeah, absolutely. So for kids that are, you know, 17, 18 years old, I recommend getting two secured cards to start off with. They're really easy to get approved for. So if you guys are in a place where either you're young like that, maybe you're 17, 18 years old, or you have kids that young, or maybe you're just restarting your credit building process, either way, two secured cards. What are secured cards? Essentially, you give money to the bank. Let's say you give them 200 bucks. They give you a credit card with a limit of 200 bucks. So it's backed by the cash. It's secured. I had to have cash. one of those. I had to have one of those yeah. when I had crap credit and couldn't get a credit card. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So they're the easiest to get approved that for. That was you're my first step back. <laughs> yeah. It's, and that's the best step you could take. So you get two of those if you're young like that and start your credit off on the right track. And now, because the, the moment you get that card, you're starting your credit history. So three years from then, right? Because you can never go back in time and just, you know, get the credit card in the past. You have to yeah. get it as soon as possible. And the longer your credit age, the better. So yes, secure right. cards would be good. And then you can also do authorized user cards as well. Primary accounts are always going to be more powerful than authorized user accounts, especially for stuff like mortgage. If uh, a mortgage underwriter is not going to look at an authorized user card as uh, as powerfully, it's not going to be as impactful as a primary account. Sure. Yeah. 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 So um, that, those would be good for building your credit. Um, but essentially... You know, when it comes to optimizing your score, right, the credit age is 15% of your score. So you got to either get on an authorized user card, start earlier. There's some way to get uh, your credit age up there. And then the last two parts are uh, new credit, which is 10% of your score, right? So new credit inquiries, new accounts opened, that factors into 10% of your score. So that accounts for, you know, a small portion, but it's still impactful, mm -hmm. um, right? And then the other part of your credit score, which is I'm actually going to pull up for you guys. So you guys can Google this on your own. If you type into Google right now, because you want to look this up and, and keep this in front of you, if you're actually uh, going to do this, right? If you're going to get serious about your credit and optimize your score. So you can Google credit score breakdown and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So when you get off of this podcast, when you stop listening to this, when you go back into your finances, the last part is your credit mix. Right. So what does that mean? Credit mix is how diverse your credit profile is. So how many different types of accounts you have, meaning okay. there's installment loans, there's auto loans, right? Credit cards, mortgage. Um, and so there's a bunch of different types of accounts you can have. You want to have as much diversity as possible. So okay. you want to have multiple different credit cards. You want to have an installment loan. Not everybody can get a mortgage, but when you do get a mortgage, it's actually going to help your score. So stuff like that will really help. Very good. Cool. Mm -hmm. Man, there is yeah. so much information in this podcast. I really appreciate it. No, of course. Yeah, I, I, I love this stuff. And it's stuff that not everybody gets to learn. So I try to, you know, I, uh, I, I really, I prepared for like an hour before this, so I can give you guys as much concise information as possible. Um, but I think one of the most impactful things for your, your viewers and your listeners is going to be the business credit funding to get out there and go get uh, 25, 30, $50,000 yeah. available credit to, to start or scale their business. That's going to be really huge. You know, yeah. our clients, I'll give you guys an example. Like, you know, a lot of people ask us, well, what's the amount average amount that you can get, right? Have yeah. how much on average do people get with us? So 
it's interesting. You can actually get in a, in a round of funding. So a round meaning we've gone through all of our applications. On average, you're going to get anywhere from 60 to 90 grand in one round in available funding. So most people coming to us, they just want $50,000. So we oftentimes are getting them much more than they actually need. And they're fine with it. They're like, listen, give me as much as possible because now they can go and do the initial thing they wanted to do. And they're like, well, I got 40,000 extra left over. Yeah. Now I'm going to go play in this area too. Yeah. It just opens up so many doors of people being able to now do real estate and all this other stuff. Yeah. And one other thing too, that people say is, well, it's a credit card. How can I buy real estate with a credit card? And this is a really interesting uh, company that we found out about called plastic with a Q. So if you guys look it up plastic with a Q.com, they're actually a, a payment processing company and they're a vendor where you can pay them and they will fund the deal for you. So you can use, let's just say you get five different cards that add up to 60 grand, right? You can use plastic and go and take those five cards and put it into one place and plastic can go pay the title company for you. You guys oh, wow. can buy real estate with a credit card. Really fascinating. And, and it's, it's the only company out there that really does stuff like that, but it allows people to now leverage this credit that we're getting them and, and turn it into actual capital, like real hardcore cash. So it's like, it's, it's giving people the opportunity to get involved in stuff that they usually wouldn't be able to. This sounds, this sounds really intriguing. I've never heard of credit card stacking before. So tell me about, um, you know, one thing that, that obviously comes to my mind is interest rate. And when, you know, obviously credit cards carry, could carry a higher interest rate than say like getting a loan or something. Is that, um, an issue when, doing something like this for a larger venture that could maybe take 30, 60, 90 days to, to fruitate any cash? Yeah, that's actually, the, that's a great question. So what our funding model is, right, we are going after primarily cards that have a 0% interest rate for 12 to 18 to 14 months or to oh, 24 months. Okay. So I would say 98 percent of the cards that we get for our clients are actually zero percent interest for the first at least year right okay and awesome. you can do a funding round of funding every six months every five to six months you can do a funding round okay so what that means not to get too complicated and in the weeds but you guys can get let's just say 50 grand in your first round and now six months goes by and you're holding a fifty thousand dollar balance you can now go get another round of funding right? Get another 50,000 and do what's called a balance transfer. Once that 0% interest period runs out, let's say it's a year sure. down the line, you can now balance transfer that entire 50,000 onto a new 0% card. And now that 12% introductory period becomes a 24 month introductory period. So gotcha. that's how you can mm -hmm. keep this stuff at 0% for a couple of years while you're getting yourself together and getting it off the ground. Most gotcha. people don't even really need to do that because a lot of the stuff that, you know, cause people ask us, Hey, like, what should I do with this money? A lot of stuff that we recommend is very, very, you know, like we don't, we don't ever recommend people do risky stuff, right? Yeah. If you have a yeah. business that's doing well, or if you have a viable business idea, you know, that's proven to work, that's typically the only thing we recommend doing. We don't recommend doing stuff like crypto or like high risk <laughs> stuff like that. We yeah. generally, that's not a good idea, but um, a lot of the people that come to us, a lot of the entrepreneurs that are coming to us are either funding a new business that's, you know, they know is proven or they're scaling yeah. an existing one. And that's the best way to do it. Yep. You already have a business why. and you pump capital into it. Then, yep. And that's then what really I'm picturing playing. is, yeah. is say that, you know, you have a, a, 
online nutrition coach, for example, that is doing really well, but they're getting to a point where maybe they need to hire um, some additional staff members because they can't handle everything themselves. They don't necessarily want to do um, a contractor because they have their own style of coaching. They have their own model. They essentially want to expand their business. And so they could utilize something of this sort to, um, you know, to save for that payroll. Then once they obviously have that individual trained and um, new business is coming in and now that business is earning more income, they can start to pay down that, that extra um, credit card essentially. Yep. And you, you could use it for anything. That's the nice thing. You could use it for mm-hmm. equipment. You can use it for hiring. You could use it for advertising. A lot of people use it for marketing and advertising. So yeah, yeah. you can do it. You could really do anything with it. That's very cool. And one last question that I had is business credit a thing. And is that something that people need to watch out for aside from like personal credit is business credit a thing? Yeah. So business credit is definitely a thing. Uh, Business credit is a little bit tricky. I would say not a lot of people know about credit, even less people know about business credit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there are three different bureaus and they're different than personal score bureaus. Right. So your, your transunion Experian Equifax, that's your personal credit. For business credit, you have Dun & Bradstreet, which is your first credit bureau, right? Then you have Experian Business. And then the other one is an Equifax Small Business. So those are your three bureaus. Now, on the business credit side of things, your score goes from zero to 100. Very different. Okay. The, best, the best way that you guys can build your business credit is to go get vendor accounts or what are called net 30 accounts. And it's basically with companies that provide you credit for 30 days, you pay them back. It's, it's kind of like the secured card of the business credit world. We have, uh, we have a program actually coming out for what we call corporate credit. So there's business credit that we're talking about. And then what I like to call corporate credit, which is not attached to your personal whatsoever. It's only based on the business's EIN. Okay. A lot. So a lot of times when it comes to corporate credit, People think that you need to have a good credit score. You need to have a bunch of, you know, income and, and, you know, two years tax returns. You don't necessarily need that stuff. You just need to have a track record. Okay. Right. And so we actually have a program coming out soon. That's going to help people build their business credit. Uh, But what I, yeah, what I would say is just, you know, research net 30 accounts and start there guys. That's what I would recommend. Start, start just getting that some net 30 accounts set up. Um, You can get set up with Dun & Bradstreet. um, And, and one thing that I will just reiterate is your, your NAICS codes guys are very important when it comes to getting funded. Uh, If you guys are choosing a business type, when you're setting up your business, I can tell you that the least risky types of businesses when it comes to like business names and the entity itself mm-hmm. are businesses that don't actually really say what the business does. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. So for instance, if you're a finance company or a financial services company and you have the word finance or funding, or for instance, credit to capital in your business yeah. name, really bad. You don't want that. Our corporation okay. is not called credit to capital. I can yeah. promise you that because mm-hmm. the banks would look at that and be like, uh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. So what we recommend is naming your business with broad, vague names like consulting, enterprises, holdings, sure. ventures. You get the point, right? So yeah. I would always recommend going on the broad side with that. And then you can do a DBA, a doing business as name, as what you actually do. Yep. The other part, your NAICS codes, guys, 
quick tip, pro tip, just Google uh, highest risk NAICS codes and then just avoid those. That's a really easy trick to just okay. get yourself out of hot water. Um, but the the best thing to do would just be, you know, consulting companies are really low risk um, education, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, sometimes even e-commerce e can be a low risk NAICS code. So consulting is what we see most commonly. Um, obviously it has to be relevant to your space, but I would, uh, I would say that's, that's my pro tip for the entity and corporation. So. Well, wonderful. I think we have an absolutely action packed pot. Well, for me, I think, because I like to nerd out on this stuff. <laughs> me too. Me too. Everybody else is like asleep, but uh, I mean, you're like, <laughs> right. oh, this is cool. <laughs> right. Totally. Oh, man. But I, man, I appreciate your time. You have an incredible story. I appreciate you being vulnerable and telling us about that a little bit. You're doing some really cool things in the space. So very Thanks. cool. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, uh, it was honestly, it was an honor to be on here and to, uh, to spend some time with and learn about what you guys have going on. I love, I love the whole thing you guys got going with this, the fit CFO and, you know, going after the fitness space. Cause I think yeah. if more people incorporated fitness into their life, I oh, think you're bringing, yeah, I, I think you're bringing people to fitness in a really, really unique way. So yeah. I, I commend and acknowledge you guys for that. It's really cool. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Awesome. All right. Well, great to meet you. And uh, we'll definitely be talking soon. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram stories, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable. Oh,